0: that they have a place in the world, that their view is, even if it's unique, that it's special, that it's important, um, that not everybody has to be a particular thing, um, that they are capable of being powerful and influential and important as they are.
1: You're listening to Amy McMahon, a children's book author and educator who has lived and traveled internationally for over 20 years. She's discussing her latest project, The Jungle of Joji*. She's our guest today on the podcast. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for stopping by today.
0: Hi, Randy. Thank you for inviting me.
1: So you've been wandering the planet for a while. Uh, where, <laughs> where are you right now exactly?
0: I am in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C.,
1: Okay, and do you have any other travel coming up?
0: Yeah, I'm actually on a whirlwind tour. I actually just finished my American uh, leg of the whirlwind tour, and I'm heading over to the U.K. uh, for some more exploring.
1: Exploring the U.K. sounds definitely like it's a lot of fun. So how's the weather out in Washington, D.C. today? (laughs) Cold.
0: (laughs) It's pretty darn cold.
1: So, Amy, before we get started, I just wanted to say... Uh, Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show today.
0: Oh, sure. It's my pleasure.
1: So before we start talking about your book, The Jungle of Joji, tell me a little bit about the last 20 years where you've been traveling internationally. How did you get started with that?
0: Completely by accident, um, as most good things do. Um, I was having a, a significant landmark birthday, and I was having a bit of a bit of a freak out about um, whether I had accomplished the things in my life that I had hoped that I would accomplish by that age. You know, the the decades always throw people off, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Uh, And so I was thinking to myself, what in the world did I expect myself to have been doing by this point? What are the things that I'm feeling like I haven't accomplished yet? And it was all connected to travel. So I decided, well, I'll go on a one-year adventure. Uh, I'll find a way that I can work while I'm traveling, um, and and that'll make me feel better, and that'll that'll have accomplished my goal. Um, and silly me, um, I thought that that would be it. And that first year, I just caught an amazing bug—the travel bug—and I haven't stopped.
1: So, has there been a particular location around the world that has stood out as one of your favorites?
0: Well, I've spent most of the time, because I've been living abroad, uh, not just traveling, I spent most of my time residing in the Middle East, uh, and that is a fascinating region of the world, and it um, plays into some of my academic background, some of the things that I was actively studying. I got a history degree, and believe it or not, was able to put it into use um, through my travels in the Middle East, Uh, but then also just for fun, for vacation, the area that I'm most fascinated and drawn to is Italy. Uh, that's been my magical place, and quite inspirational for all sorts of reasons, uh, food being a primary one. But yeah, the 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 area of um, mostly northern Italy, even if you wanted to get more specific.
1: Okay, so near Florence.
0: Florence, very much nice. so. Florence is my my happy place. That's the place that I discovered a lot of really magical images, really magical ideas. Um and really tasty food. And so it's been my go to place whenever I have an opportunity to just treat myself. Um, which isn't as often as I would like, but that's where I like to go back to. That's my happy place.
1: Yep, I've been to Florence too. Very arts centric city, that's for sure.
0: Oh, you can't turn a single direction without seeing something incredible.
1: Yeah, it's easy to see how the Renaissance got started around that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your book, The Jungle of Joji. How did you come up with the idea for it?
0: Well, like most of the ideas that I have for my stories, they were always inspired by the children in my life. Um, I've done a lot of different types of writing. A lot of it was connected to my travels. Um, But one of the constants that I had along those experiments with my other types of writing Um, with the different nieces and nephews and family friends that were being born and growing up um, as I was traveling. So I was always trying to find ways to connect with them, um, get them excited about my visits, and finding ways that we could share bedtime was a big part of it when I was visiting and curling up and uh, pulling the blankets up and trying to come up with some really fun, uh, funny stories that were personalized to our experiences. So that's how the children's stories started developing. And the stories came out without the intention of actually putting them into publication. They just came out as um, enjoyable things to do. Um, And then after a couple of years, as the nieces and nephews were getting older, um, and some of them were requesting some of those stories being written down because they wanted to remember them. And then moms and dads were doing the same thing. Uh, the idea of trying to put them into more formal publications came up.
1: That's really nice. So, the book is about dinosaurs.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. The it's book not. is about naughty little children.
1: <laughs> naughty little children.
0: <laughs> dinosaurs are just a terrific vehicle because it makes them pay more attention.
1: <laughs> That's. <laughs> It's a great way to look at it. It's a metaphor.
0: It really is. It really is. It's um, the idea that you're trying to get um, a message across or a concept across to kids. um, And you want to do it in a way that draws their attention instead of just either if you're trying to get them to change their behavior, you don't want to just wag a finger at them and say what they should do. Or um, if you want to get them to think of things differently, you can't just flat out say this is what you should think of. it's, it's a little dull, so making it a little bit more enjoyable um, is, is magical.
1: Absolutely. it's a really good point there. So since you used the metaphor of the dinosaur, as a child, did you have any interest in dinosaurs?
0: Me, personally, no. Um, but one of, my, one of the children in my circle of friends, my godson, actually was a fanatic. About them, um, and it was practically it was at right after his phase of trucks. I suppose all children go through this, you know. He had a fanatical phase about trucks, specifically garbage trucks. Um, so I was kind of relieved when the dinosaur phase kicked in. It was a little bit more fun to talk about than the garbage trucks, um, but I used them uh, in that way. Uh, so his love and his excitement for them got me interested in them, and I did a fair amount of research. Um, mostly because he started memorizing the names and I was trying to pronounce them. um, So I learned through him and his excitement. Um, And that's where the story kind of started and germinated and grew from.
1: And who is the main character of the Jungle of Joji? Uh,
0: The main character is a tiny little micro-raptor called Mario. Uh, And he was intended to be the role model for my godson he was the one that was supposed to be the reluctant listener um and all of his big friends who he was my nephew was my excuse me my godson was um trying to figure out exactly what he was doing how he was behaving whether his his sister was somebody that he wanted to be nice to his little sister um so he had all these influences around him um and I think he was feeling a little bit small. And so the concept of the character that was physically tiny with all these big ideas and big things going on around him kind of morphed.
1: Yeah, even though it's a micro raptor, I could still see it being very powerful. Mm-hmm. So as you were growing up, were you always into creative writing or did it develop later on?
0: No, in fact, the odd thing is I hated writing. I struggled with writing and I can honestly say that I still struggle. I don't, I don't think it's something that's coming easily to me, um, easier, but not easily. Um, it was really my mother who realized some of the interest that I had in the directions probably had some inklings about the direction. Some of my studies were going to go in. Um, and she realized that I really needed to figure out how to present, in words, And it wasn't even creatively that I started my writing. I really started in the vein of um, research papers, um, even at a young age, if that makes sense, and speech and debate, and just the idea of how to present your, your thoughts and your feelings in a clear way. Um, that's how I started learning to write. And the fun stuff only came when I started um, having more children to play with in my life.
1: And as these kids became more and more a part of your life, were there any authors that they liked or you started liking uh, during that time?
0: I would say probably C.S. Lewis and the Narnia series were, that was probably quite instrumental in my understanding of how children's stories could present expectations and ideas that might be bigger. Uh, than you would expect children to grasp, um, but still wrapped in words and images that made it digestible. So I would say that my own love for those types of stories, as well as the children that were in my life, them enjoying those types of stories, that was quite influential.
1: So once you got started with creative writing, was there any kind of routine that you started for your writing?
0: I really wish I could say that was the case. It would make my life a lot easier <laughs> if I had a routine that when I was struggling, I could plug myself into and have these things follow through. But I've noticed that the type of writer I am is is kind of a fits and starts writer. Um, I go in, in cycles. Um, and um, I have a lot of other things, a lot of other jobs that I take on in my life. Um, writing is not something that I'm capable of doing full time yet um and so life tends to play itself in cycles as well and so i kind of get busy with other things and then find these ideas and these thoughts kind of bubbling up inside and then i go through this massive outpouring of just sitting down kind of burping out (laughs) all these ideas and trying to structure them a little bit more so i guess in the bigger picture that is a bit of a cycle that is a, a bit of a pattern, um, but I do not, and I have not been able to successfully come up with a flat-out daily routine. I would love to, though.
1: <laughs> so, what inspires you to continue writing?
0: Ideas that I see in front of me that I want to try and explain. Um, one of my other jobs, I'm uh, a tour director and a tour guide, and. That is primarily also a storytelling. It's an oral storytelling responsibility. And the ideas that I get from seeing historical sites like here in Washington, D.C., or incredible experiences in nature, I've had so many of these that I've wanted to share with people that I love all over the globe that weren't there in the same time I was. And I'd say, how can I let them experience this as well? What can I, what can I do to share this with them in a way that'll make it come alive? And so a lot of my inspiration comes from that.
1: Yes, I definitely agree that tour guides are definitely another form of storytelling. That's for sure. So have you had any writing mentors as part of your writing journey?
0: I I, I know this sounds like I'm flashing back to my childhood, but this person has, um, really played an instrumental role in my life at different phases when I've been struggling with how to get ideas out. And that oddly has been my mother, who herself has never really truly um, been a professional or, or, or even a casual writer, but just a person who has really inspired me to um, and to buckle down and uh, explain myself. I I don't think I have a particular author that leaps out that I want to model myself after. Um, There's tons of writers that I've become attached to for a variety of reasons. But I don't think that I would necessarily say that my style comes from them. I would say more that um, different people in my life who have wanted to understand me have motivated me to find my own style.
1: That sounds as good as you're going to get as far as <laughs> being a writer. Just yeah. having a voice out there. Yeah. Your own unique voice.
0: I'm trying to.
1: So let's talk about the jungle of Joji. So I know you've talked about Mario the Microraptor, but tell me about the premise. What is it all about?
0: Well, the main concept is that there is a very sad little dino who – really isn't understanding what his role is. He's feeling a little bit out of sorts because the surrounding neighborhood of other dinosaurs um, are all bigger than him and all seem to be quite confident in their own roles in life. And so he's kind of wandering around like a little sad sack and um, being a bit whiny and rather incidentally running into situations in which he can because of his small size um, and because of his physical shapes, um, help others. And he doesn't realize it, but as he's doing these different tasks, he's changing the attitude of a lot of the different people or the different dinos in the community around him. And um, long story short, or even short story shorter, he basically learns that being tiny isn't a detriment being different isn't uh, a bad thing that there are unique things about him that can make other people happy as well as himself.
1: Sounds like a good message. So how would you describe your typical reader out there? What age group? What are their interests?
0: For these stories for specifically for the jungle of Doji and um, some of the other stories that I'm putting together, the age range is roughly, um, uh, for, for self-reading or more guided reading, uh, six to eight would be the age range. But um, these are stories that I read to much younger children um, as I was putting them together. And um, they really helped some of my nieces and nephews develop their own writing skills. And they contributed to a lot of the story plots as well. So I can see these stories, um, specifically The Jungle of Joji, being uh, appropriate for children as soon as they start listening to stories and having things read to them and discussed.
1: And what would you like the reader to take away as a message from your book?
0: That they have a place in the world, that their view is, even if it's unique, that it's special, that it's important, um, that not everybody has to be a particular thing. Um, that they are capable of being powerful and influential and important as they are.
1: Yep, that's a powerful message. So what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself who's just starting out as a writer?
0: <laughs> Get a routine. <laughs> exactly what I was, was uh, complaining about a few minutes ago that I don't have. Um, I do think that as, as a productive writer as someone who would be capable of putting out more material and more quality material I think a routine is very important that's something that I have struggled with over the years so I would probably flash back to my younger years and say um, buckle down more seriously and, and be more structured in your approach
1: and what other projects are you currently working on?
0: Um, I have um, two books that I'm actually actively working on right now. One of them is almost finished. The story itself is finished. I'm working on the illustration, the polishing, editing, and the illustration for a book that I wrote for my sister's little girls. Um, It's called The the Princess Sisters, Um, and that's a story about um, how families who live apart and who are quite distant from one another can still find ways to be close. Um, so that's, that's a, a small story. I'm also developing a series uh, that's connected to a very similar theme. Basically, it's called, um, the title of the series is Always and From Everywhere. And it's basically um, traveling the world and in different places around the globe, expressing how you can, again, still be far away from the people that you love, um, but that love that you have really follows you. Um, And can cross boundaries, geographic boundaries, um, sometimes technical digital boundaries by by finding ways to connect through videos and music and so on. Um, But the idea that connections are not bound to being next to one another, that that emotions and feelings and relationships um, can thrive even when you're distant from one another.
1: And it sounds like you're blending your personal experiences with travel into the book as well.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And is that travel series geared toward children as well?
0: Well, at the moment it is, but um, as the children in my life are growing older, I'm finding that a lot of the stories tend to grow with them. And so I'm considering the possibility of having the series grow and so. Having, Even though the focus at the moment, are the stories at the moment are for the younger reader, finding ways to morph that into something that would be more appropriate for the different stages of the child's development.
1: And do you have a grand vision of kind of pulling it all together, the, the travel series with the Jungle of Joji?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I guess I, I guess that's um, it's tipping my tipping my hand there a bit by acknowledging that I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. You know, we writers we talk about whether we're plotters or pantsers, and I've realized that I'm more of a pantser. I fly by the seat of my pants as opposed to sitting out and structuring things um, and making uh, making outlines and schedules and so on for when I write and how I write and what I write. Um, I tend to be a little bit more spontaneous. And so, I, again, I wish I had a grand plan, but I'm kind of playing it by ear.
1: So where can readers buy your books?
0: At the moment, uh, the best place is Amazon. Um, as a self-publisher, that's really been the primary vehicle for reaching larger audiences. And again i'm I'm still learning um, about publicity and and marketing, and so um, I'm definitely down the road hoping to have more venues for the for the stories and for the books. Um, but at the moment, Amazon, if they just do a search for um, the Jungle of Joji actually would be the best title to do a search for, and that would pop right up and i have I have it in a couple different versions. Um, I've created an audio version, which was really fun. Um, I even voiced some of the characters myself. And I've created an ebook version, which visually I think the illustrations um, just pop amazingly vividly um, on the digital devices. I'm really pleased with the way the illustrations came out through the ebook. And then I'm also actually offering some free resources connected to the book and I'm doing those through my website. Um, I have developed friendships with people who speak so many different languages around the globe that a lot of my stories, um, the children in, that, I've, that I'm friends with in different countries like China and Egypt um, and Poland, they're very keen on reading the stories in their own languages and a lot of the parents who want to read to the children, they have multilingual families. They've got the English parent, English-speaking parent, and um, the Polish-speaking parent, for example. So I've done a lot of translating of my stories um, and created just transcripts, not fancy printed-out books, but transcripts. in um, I've got Polish. Um, I've got uh, Arabic and Albanian. Completed now, and I'm in the process of Bulgarian and Russian being offered. And those are free resources that are available on the website.
1: Wow, that's, uh, that's certainly an international bookseller right there.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not selling them at the, at the different languages. Those are free resources. That's the educator in me. That's just wanting people to have fun and having the, having the opportunity to, to read to one another in multiple languages, some fun stories. Um, but eventually, hopefully down the road, that might become an option.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, I think that's really great that you're doing that. And uh, definitely, it's probably great to see your book shared in so many different cultures.
0: It really is. And it's actually incredibly fun to see how the different cultures respond to the story. And even the process of translating was interesting because there are some things that you just don't realize in your own language might not necessarily come across in the same way rhyming is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we expect words to mesh and flow with a pace in English doesn't necessarily match the same way it would in Albanian um, and then even something um, some of the slang that you would necessarily assume that would make sense and would be translatable. I have this phrase in in the jungle of Joji that I reference that um. That Mario was stomping around being kind of grumpy groany and grouchy, and those three words were quite interesting to work with the translator on the different translators on because they just didn't quite have an equivalent in some of the languages, so yeah the, the cultural differences are sometimes literal language differences, um, and then sometimes they're just the way the kids perceive things,
1: and what was it like to uh put together the audio book going back to that point.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, this uh, speaks to my novice stature as a publisher, a self publisher, but basically I had assumed it would be a matter of simply sitting down, reading the, the book out loud and maybe making a couple different changes of, of the digital version of that reading. But Oh my goodness. There was so much involved and the format that so many of the files needed to be in i needed to learn an incredible amount about um, all sorts of codes and technical high volume low volume how things are leveled off the the learning curve was huge um, and it ended up taking me a good week to put together an audio file with the different character tracks uh, and so on, and that was with the help of some people who were technologically savvy, so it was a bit of a hair puller and a nail biter sometimes, but it was fun, and the result was hysterical in my opinion. <laughs> Other people can listen to it uh, and tell me what their opinion is, but it was a it was a process it was not as simplistic and straightforward as I had assumed it would be. Um, that it was a massive, it was, it was, a, it was a big project.
1: That's interesting. You wouldn't think that. Um, no,
0: you wouldn't. It was a complete surprise to me.
1: And by the way, we have all of your links uh, linked up on the creative writing magic website and our Twitter feed. So
0: nice. Thank uh, you.
1: Well, that's all the time we have for today, Amy. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. This was a lot of fun.
0: Yes, it has been.
1: Thanks for stopping by today.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting
1: me. And thank you, the listening community. You make this all possible. If you like this podcast, feel free to support us on Patreon and consider subscribing. The link to Patreon is in the description. Also, if you're an aspiring writer and would like to learn more about writing coaching services and story outline coaching services, contact us on the Creative Writing Magic website. And be sure to subscribe to the email newsletter to receive email notifications when new episodes are available. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Stay inquisitive, support the arts, and keep creating. Bye for now.